This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say, what's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by the Riverside Cafe, the perfect place for a pre-match pint. Hi there and welcome to the Wednesday week, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm James, I'm your host for this week's edition of the Wednesday week. And uh, with us tonight, I think possibly the first time this season where he's actually played two games in a row, it's Alman Abdi. No, sorry, it's Eddie Hoyland. (laughs) Good evening, everybody. It's... um... You know what? It's it's good to be able to speak about um, Sheffield Wednesday in a positive sense two weeks in a row. And that's probably a large portion of the reason why I'm here. Lovely to have you. Um, Dickie Owl is with us as well. Yeah, I'm quite 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 pleased to be able to, to talk positively as well. It's been probably the first time I'll be able to talk positively about Wednesday two weeks running for the whole season on the podcast. So I'm, I'm quite I'm all right tonight. I'm all happy. Are you telling us you didn't leave at half time? I did. No, I, I never left at half. I left before half time against so, Birmingham. Oh, before, right. so, before. <laughs> um, now we've got no fudge this week um, so we've shipped over um, a, a relatively competent replacement uh, who joins us from our friends over at the Owls of Merrycast this is very boring but just to explain the technicalities of this he's actually sat in my kitchen with me although we're on separate kind of computer systems so if you hear any kind of weird echoes or anything that's why uh, but anyway it is James Allen from the Owls of Merrycast uh, good evening, Jeff. Oh, oh shit! Sorry, sorry, James. Um, yeah, no, no, nice to be with you all. Thank, thank you. I, f- I feel like I finally arrived at kind of podcast mecca, if that's something I can say. Which is uh, which is James's kitchen with a. Is that some, is that some kind of bingo, Paul? Uh, exactly, exactly, Rich. Yeah, it's it's down on Queen's Road, I think, somewhere above the ice. Right? 
if if there is one one thing that makes me ashamed of um, of everything we've achieved at the Wednesday week is that the Owls Americast is already uh, at least as professional, informative, and entertaining um, as we have been, and we've got like a head start of about ninety six episodes. So um, <laughs> yeah, big fan, big fan of your work. It's great to see you again. It's so nice to almost be able to see you. You just look like a little kind of icon in the middle corner of my screen, Eddie. I can visualise you there. That's how that's how I walked around New York when uh, when we were last in uh, it, when we were last together. That's how I, I looked basically walking around with an owl mask on. You actually look about as much of a ghost like as you did when uh, whenever it was Hull scored in the ninety fifth minute at Hillsborough. <laughs> Right then, down to business, boys. And um, first things first, Norwich game on, uh, I want to say Saturday, it wasn't, it was Sunday, wasn't it? Last game of the season. Firstly, the season is done. What a nice feeling it is that this season is done. Uh, but also, how much would we have liked this season to continue with um, with the way it's finished? Was I the only one that was thinking like, actually, I'd kinda, I kind of I kind of want to keep going now. And I, I never expected to feel like that by the end of this season. I remember t- us talking on the podcast January, February time. We were just let the season end. Now we were t- we must have said it every week about, about twelve times, and we just we got to a point where now we, we've been walking out of Hillsborough smiling, which we hadn't done for probably you know most of the season. So it was nice to be able to. And, and, and Norwich just seems to whip Moise every time they come to Hillsborough. I think we seem to put a, a boatload of goals past them every time we play them. And why is it like it, it just tends to be the, the end of the season as well? You know, I, I remember I, I was saying um, 10 years ago uh, this week was the first time that I took my son to his first game. And that was the, the Norwich game at the end of the season where we had to win just to stay in the championship. I mean, you know, how far we've come. I mean, literally three places higher than there. Um, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, no, there's been there's been a lot of up and down since then, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know why Norwich come to Hillsborough and just get spanked. But I think there must be some sort of exchange agreement because um, we've been down at Carroll Road a few times and been, uh, been their bitches, haven't we? So um, I think turnabout is fair play. But how weird was it for Wednesday to play with that much freedom? It it reminded me of remember the Burnley game after we got relegated in when was it two thousand and three? Yeah, six two. Yeah, six two seven two something like seven, that. Two, seven um, two, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was it it felt like that, although without the kind of resignation in the stands, it felt like a bit of that party atmosphere. The weather was great, um, and I think we played. As well as, you know, correct me here, you know, I'm, I'm throwing this out there. I'm going to give a hot take on it. Has there been a better performance by a Wednesday team since mm, Arsenal at home under Carlos? I, I can't think of too many. That, that's bold, Eddie. I'd, 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 I'd raise you one playoff semi-final leg somewhere in the mix. But, but no, you know what? What they played with, they played with complete free abandon. And it was, um, it's funny you're mentioning like taking your lad 10 years ago. So I took my little lad for his second game. His first home game was QPR 1-1 at the beginning of the season where Winnall signed off and that was a bit of a damp squib. So uh, so we tried all over again. But from the second he sat down, it felt like um, everything was preordained, right? I mean, I've not seen a Wednesday side play that freely, certainly certainly since the beginning of last season. Um, and it was it was tremendous to watch. The, the point's been made, hasn't it, that... Um, just how much it suits us playing with that level of freedom. Like since we 
but whether we realised it or not at the time, but since we secured our uh, survival in the championship, which I think worked out be, as being the Preston game at the start of the, the Easter weekend, we, we've played pretty much, you know, with the exception of just that QPR away game, we've played great stuff week in, week out. Um, and it's, you know, is, is, it, is it as simple as Forestieri and Bannon being back around or is it something to do with, uh, you know, Yossa's tactics just finally kind of taking hold or or what? I mean, I don't know, but whatever it is, I'm, I'm happy to take it. I don't think it's any coincidence that we've started to play better when the better players have started to come back uh, and when Fox, Butterfield, Jones have all disappeared out the side. Hey, just Maybe, saying... But- we we were uh, so me and James went for I mean a couple of beers before we um, started the podcast tonight. Um, definitely in single figures anyway, and we were kind of saying that if you think back to the uh, so the Burton away game, which finishes a one-all draw when we lost at Bolton earlier in the season, they they weren't times where we had you know horrendous injury problems, but we were still fairly inadequate back then so I don't know I, I mean analysing this season is an entire podcast of its own isn't it and I don't even know whether it's possible or actually whether it's worthwhile How I don't know if, does anyone care enough about it now yeah. to, 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 to actually pour over it that much what I have got to say is that there is really only one main talking point from the Norwich game on Sunday and pretty obviously that is going to be the debut of Ash Baker. Um, we'll, we'll come to the goals and whatnot, but um, first of all, you know, a word on uh, on young Ash. It was a solid debut, wasn't it? That, but for for someone that is so young, he has a lot of tattoos. Is that even legal? <laughs> I, I, I wasn't right. that close. I noticed. I'm, you... I I I know that we are an in-depth football podcast, and we you know we go from kind of tape, you know, tape to gun, or gun to tape either. Uh, we're quite happy to talk about every aspect of fandom, every aspect of football. Um, I noticed Ash's tattoos as almost the first <laughs> thing as well, which is, yeah, which is a little bit strange, but very quickly that was overshadowed by um, what I would peg as the best of the debuts um, that we've seen from you know from this youth. I don't know what any, anyone that's been on Twitter this week um, may have seen the, the statistic around uh, the, you know, the youth at, at Wednesday getting given a chance. And yeah. it's some, was it something like um, 42 minutes in total under Carlos Cavalial and we've already had upwards of 1,000 minutes um, under Jos Lukai. Um, look, you know, I, I know we're a much better team in terms of that under 18s, under 23s set up now than we were maybe two years ago. However, uh, I think the the situation that's happened this season has actually given the the coaching team the freedom to start playing these players in. Um, and I think Ash Baker, other than maybe one or two naive touches, one or two things that didn't quite go his way, especially you know his first touch on the ball in front of the North Stand was can, one can, of the. Can, one oh, of Eddie, the... Eddie, can can we talk about the air kick? <laughs> yeah, no, please. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's it's a mark of the guy, right, that he recovered from that moment to have such a, a consummate debut. Because you know, think about it for a second. It's his first start in a Wednesday shirt. He's been waiting for this for moments. He, he, you know, he's had a whole tap sleeve penciled in for this, uh, this particular occasion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he gets the ball deep right. It's uh, Everyone's, fl- you know, it's a fluid Wednesday move. He's flying down in front of the North Stand. 
and he, he absolutely welted the air and totally missed the ball. He rolled out for a goal kick. And then he had an absolutely brilliant debut. It kind of reminded me of uh, of playing for uh, St. Wilfred's under-10s when I, uh, I did a similar thing on my debut. But um, I didn't get a, a chance to kind of recover from there. But he, he was... Um, he was so kind of composed, you know, throughout the rest of the game. And I really enjoyed the banter he had with Bullen afterwards, where uh, I think Bullen was taking the piss out of him for exactly that. <laughs> he, uh, he, he did magnificently, after that, didn't he? Brilliant. Over, overall, though, do, do we think that there is something, there's a little bit of an aura around our academy system, our development um, system, that that means that these players are coming in and not not being lost in the shuffle? I think, you know, I think we people have said... Um, kind words and said, you know, none of them embarrassed themselves, none of them looked out of place, etc. I would go further than that. I think, you know, Ash Baker, he's had he's had 84 minutes, um, but he looked fantastic. You know, Sean Clare was a revelation at times this season. Obviously, Wildsmith and Dawson have both far outstripped, I think, what anybody expected from quote-unquote reserve keepers. Um, and, you know, we've had, uh, you know, uh, Thornley chipping in, we've had Nielsen chipping in, we've had these players have come in and done a job. Uh, is this a real step change? Is this something that we are going to to be able to anchor the future, the, the medium-term future of this side um, on? There's, there's not one of them, I don't think, has let ourselves down. They've, they've all come in, they've all done a job. And and some you could think you could, they could come in because of the injuries, get lost, get lost in the team and not do anything. But I think every one of them has... Claire came on and uh, particularly against Villa, had a, I thought he had a really good game in in giving something we hadn't we hadn't had in the side all season long, which was a a box to box midfielder. Um, but they just they've all they've all really given something, I think, rather than just you know come in, struggled and, and being anonymous. But they've all given something. Yeah, absolutely. That that stat that um, that you were kind of alluding to earlier. Eddie, which is even more stark than than you said. It is excluding goalkeepers, but under Carlos, the t- the total number of minutes in two and a half years given to academy players 24? was twenty four. Uh, under Yoss, in five yeah. months, one thousand three hundred and ninety nine. Um, mm. So wow, you know, uh, that, I, I, that in percentage terms, was... it's crazy, isn't it? The twenty-four was George Hurst, wasn't it? When it, we, you know, basically he threw him out there just to um, to get the crowd cheering again because things weren't going very well in a, in one good awful away game at Reading. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You, you, you know what though? You hit on something else, which is that I, I was saying this to James earlier on in the single-digit uh, beer pre precast. Um, <laughs> I've got a funny feeling we're we're going to end up looking back on this season and being thankful. I know that's a weird thing to say after. The, the god awful season we've had, but you know the fact that we've blooded these youngsters. They've come in, they actually look like they can they can play at the standard. And okay, you know there's a few of them that have probably had a few tests, and they're going to learn from them. But we're, we're going to be a better side and a better club as a future as a result of that. Um, and we probably you know you know we wouldn't have had that opportunity if we'd just been playing the uh, the top dollar players all the way through to the end of the season. So um, I think just all credit to the coaching staff. Uh, Stephen Haslam's done well as well, hasn't he? Um, you know, yeah. coming in at the beginning of the season and setting up the under 23s the way he has. I, that, that's the key, and there's there's a little bit of continuity now. So, the, um, you know, you've got Stephen Haslam who is uh, is running that operation much the same way that Bully used to do. Uh, it, it, you know, in a great to a great extent. And then for the under 18s and, and the wider academy system, um, Ben Wilkinson as uh, again, you know, we, the, the silverware being won at that level. Um, and I think you know we've had a really, really good youth system in the past. Many, many teams have had very, very, very good youth systems. And it hasn't, 
um, it hasn't percolated through to the point where you've got players who are going to be difference makers in the first team. It might produce a lot of players that then, you know, go to different levels and play at different teams. But I think we've got a youth system that's actually bringing players through into the first team. And I think if we look back, we talked about January, February, um, when things weren't looking so good. Um, I think the, pre- the predominant view amongst Wednesday fans, and certainly on, on, on this podcast, was that the promotion window had closed, that that team had gone as far as it could go. Actually, now I'm feeling like I, I call that absolutely wrong, and that what we've actually got is um, uh, probably a, a, a core nucleus of uh, eight to ten very experienced players who still have another peak to get to, and supplemented by probably not the the, the the flashy signings and splashy signings that we've made uh, in the last two years, but supplemented by both some intelligent signings and also uh, the, you know these blooded youth players who who know now what the championship is about. And I think you're absolutely right that yeah, I think we might look back and thank be thankful for this season because it's given us a different direction. That, I mean, to kind of sort of sum all this up, it, I mean, how sort of positive are we feeling at this moment in time? The end of a season that has been pretty disastrous, disastrous from start to end. It, it, it genuinely feels like, doesn't it, this ending on kind of a note whereby the it's not even kind of a light at the end of the tunnel now. It's sort of like things are falling into place a little bit for next season like we, we kind of feel like we've got a bit of direction now we can see we've got these younger players we know which are the senior players are the ones that are going to form the the backbone of our team um you know with with a bit of tweaking around in the summer I don't know I'll, I'll put it out there how, how, how confident are we feeling I think at one point we were looking at wholesale changes weren't we, we were looking at you know most of the team uh, wanting replacing but I think it, it's kind of steadied and and we're probably New fullbacks, I would have said, uh, probably somebody in central midfield. Um, but apart from that, you kind of we've got the backup of them kids now that 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 sit that'll sit, potentially save the club a lot of money, a lot of wages, uh, and and kind of gives a real kind of conveyor belt of of talent for the future without having to go out and and spend millions on it. So one question that I've got when we look at those senior pros that we've got, and it's it's relevant this week because we know that the club has offered him a new contract. There's been a lot of buzz around, um, you know, has has he signed? Is this this a done deal? Mm. Um, Ati Nuyu was the last 10 games, 12 games of this season, an Indian summer. And that, you know, that's that it will will always remember him fondly for it, but he's probably going to revert back to, to the mean or is the way that Jos Lukai sets this team up and um, a, a, and gets the team playing, is, has that turned Atinuyu into a player who legitimately mm, can question. be a lead striker at this level, at the top end of this division? You know what? I think the latter part of what you just said, Eddie, is really important about the way he gets players playing. Because he's, he's given Nuhu a different lease of life in terms of what he gives him licence to do. So... I think a venerable and venerated members of this podcast may have uh, had a pop at me for being a bit of a new who hater earlier in the season. I had a, a road to Damascus uh, moment at some point, probably when he, he scored goals against Leeds. And I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to, uh, to realize what my faith was going to be, but you, you know, I, I saw a totally different side of new who on Sunday against Norwich. And it was the way that he was, he wasn't just dropping deep to get the ball a la Gary Hooper. He was dropping deep to break up the midfield 
And then he was using his strength to redistribute the ball, getting it out onto the wings, playing in reach, you know, trying to kind of, you know, create create width for the team that was going to create the chances that he could then get back on the end of. And he you know, he was playing with with a real flair and a real kind of sense of creativity, which I simply haven't seen from him before. So I'm I'm not sure you can attribute that to an Indian summer. I think that's that's a coach who's seen something in a player that you can get more out of than perhaps we've been doing up to this point. So yeah, what what that means in the context of our new contract and how we fit that into the finances of the club is going to be quite complex. But it fills me with a lot more. To answer your question, James, it fills me with a lot more optimism about what a coach can get out of the playing staff that we have, whether it's the youth, whether it's new whether it's Liam Palmer, um, maybe, um, you know, in terms of, of just just generally getting a better result out of the sum of the parts than we've had from the sum of some very good parts which haven't delivered over the last two years. I think I think I've well documented my my that love or lack of love for New You. Um, I've I remember speak on one of the podcasts when we, me and James. Uh, I've never been really uh, enamoured by him, and we talked about he should be given a new uh, a further years contract. And that was probably January February time. I think we said that because he was just yeah, starting to that, yeah, yeah. to come into it then. I, I think possibly he's probably worth a two-year contract now. I'll be honest. Um, I'm still not convinced by him. I, I think for me, yeah, he's had a brilliant second half of the season, but I want to see him do it for a a full season and and that become almost a norm for New Year rather than he's just had that that like you said that Indian summer where he's he's, he's come in and, and and done really well. I want to see it on a more consistent basis, and then and only then will I be convinced. <laughs> But I'm not saying I'm not convinced by what I've seen because he's had a brilliant second half season and, and I think he deserves a two-year contract on the back of it. Leuven's Wallace, Semedo and obviously latterly Carlos have all left the building as far as Hillsborough is concerned. We, uh, I think, uh, I, I think it, we, we've understated it that we have lacked an emotional heart to, um, to the squad. And I think... There is a large part of the uptick, not only in the performances, but in that return of the team spirit and the bond between the team and the fans that has been um, absolutely revolving around Atinuyu. He's become the, you know, the heart of the team, the emotional core of that squad. And so you see Forestieri come back to the fold. You see Bannon come back into the fold. And those, you know, those players are the ones who lead by example. Um, and I, I think he has far more to offer at this point than Samido did two years ago when we offered him basically a vanity contract to you know to to, to keep him around um, because he was good for the dressing room. Um, but I don't think it can be underestimated exactly what Atenuiu brings to squad unity and the relationship between um, squad, coaching team, uh, and fans. My thoughts on this, um, when we were, we were chatting about this in the pub before uh, before recording tonight, were that every, every team needs um, a Stephen Fletcher. Atinuiu has proved himself to be a much better Stephen Fletcher than Stephen Fletcher. The issue that we now have, or the situation we now find ourselves in, is that, you know, I, I can't put numbers on it, but we all know that Stephen Fletcher is on a certain contract and a certain amount of money with two years left to go. So um, we've sat around a table with that in you and said, right, this is what we're going to offer you, and this is how long we're going to offer you it for. Um, and, uh, you know, assuming that him or his agent have got the sense to say, well, hang on, you know, I, I, I am a similar player to... Um, Stephen Fletcher, he's earning this amount of money and he's got two years on his contract. So if you're not going to match that for me, why would I 
um, sign a contract with you. I think the issue is that there's probably not going to be another club in the league that would pay him what what we're paying Stephen Fletcher, which is, is in hindsight, it's probably it's yeah, not far off criminal, is it? It's silly. Um, but he's got a point in terms of saying that he's going to be higher up the pecking order in terms of that role, that 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 sort of you know big. Uh, you know, lanky centre forward who you know causes problems in the defence, but can also score goals. He's actually shown that he can do that a lot better than Fletcher can, and that makes him you know much more um, valuable footballer. We've actually gone, you know, the what are we twenty minutes into this podcast, we've not even mentioned the fact that he scored a hat trick. <laughs> Like I was wondering. <laughs> analysed everything about the season. We've talked about Ashbaker's tattoos for at least ten minutes, uh, and we've not even touched on Atiniu scoring a hat trick. It's probably, probably because the two big um, sort of Atty fans of the uh, of the podcast are, are, are no longer with us. But um, you know, we uh, it, it is as as Lord Hillsborough has pointed out on Twitter several times through the week. It was the perfect hat trick as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Left absolutely. Foot, right foot, Left foot, right foot, header. header. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can, can we talk about the fact, though, that all veneration of New Who aside, and I thought his performance was great on Sunday, the goals themselves weren't actually the uh, the endpoint of the product, right? I mean, it, it, the reason why he scored that awesome header in the first half, the first goal, was because of the pinpoint cross from Reach. Yeah, I mean, that's reach, what made the goal. Yeah, and absolutely. It, was the, it was the yeah. break from halfway from Rochelle that, that made it the tenacity to kind of hold on to the ball on the edge of the box. You know, the, the, his second was what? It was a tapping, wasn't it? After kind of like a calamity with Angus Gunn in the, in the back. Uh, back three and then you know penalty I'm, I'm not knocking that in any way I thought his performance was exemplary throughout the game but the hat-trick was almost almost a byproduct of the performance as opposed yeah, yeah. to being him as the hero of the game and I think that's why we're not talking about him solely because it was a team performance you know Adam Reach was everywhere and he was uh, he was everything the player of the season that, that we've kind of come to to adore mm-hmm. over the course of the year and um, and everybody else played their part I thought that that's probably why we're not talking about Newhu so much. And and you know what? That's testament to him. If he fits into that system and he makes us a better team, then I want him around. I want players like that. You can afford the odd Forestieri, the you know the kind of flair player, and he definitely has made a difference the last couple of months since he's come back in. Just the simple fact, I mean, you could see it with Norwich. They just didn't know what to do with him. When he's dropping in that deep left left role, kind of in behind the strikers, they don't know if they need to go close. They don't know if they, you know they need to kind of play on the on the wing or otherwise. And he's causing teams difficulties game after game. If we can hang on to Fessy, then we've got a, uh, we've got a kind of X factor we can build a team around. And then you want your new who's mm-hmm. who are going to build in structure and everything else. But it's not about one individual now, and that, I, I like it that way better around than if we're talking about one highly paid striker. So I give immense I give immense credit to uh, Jos Lukai as far as uh, that's concerned because yes Forestieri uh, you know he draws the attention of every other player on the pitch every opposition player on the pitch Um, and he just basically wandered around for a large portion of the game finding space towards that left hand side but what in the past under Carlos especially when Nuyu was playing that point man role that he does do very well um, it was Forestieri who was expected to kind of ferret around him and you know pick up the the knockdowns and work on the loose balls and, and and drag defenders around to give space actually giving Forestieri that um, almost a free role, but keeping him kind of away from the action a great, a great amount of time. Um, and telling Lucas Yao, what you need to do is be within six yards of Atinuyu every time the ball's in the air. That absolutely changed the way uh, that we, uh, that we approached the game, but also changed the way that Norwich had to defend against us. The number of times that 
Atinuyu would win the ball with his back to goal, either in the air or on the ground, and Zhao would be there to profit off that first easy pass and then because he has a great deal of skill and, and, and no little vision for who we still consider to be a young player um, he was the one that was then able to play with his head up and spread it around to um, you know the likes of Ash Baker who made you know he, he played that Jack Hunt role to perfection to um, Barry Bannon who's sitting a lot deeper than he than he historically has been um, you know and, and I, I think it changed the way that we to me, it, it was a very different looking Sheffield Wednesday performance. And I think that that is tactical rather than personnel. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think what I really loved about it was um, that there were just some lovely moments, right? So um, Lucas Zhao, you know, getting you know, upended on the end of the box, but then kind of picking himself back up and just showing... Uh, it's not just physical strength, but you know, an absolute determination. That's a mentality thing. Um, to to want to get up and and carry on, rather than you imagine Lucas Shaw of twelve months ago just throwing a big strop, be more interested in in remonstrating with the referee. Why was that free kick not not given? All he was bothered about was there was a pass on. He wanted to get back up and play the pass, and it results in 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 a goal. Um, you know, the the reading of the game by Fessy, the determination to to make that run to get on the end of that back pass to score. The second goal, um, you know, knew you being in the right place for the for the for the knockdown, and then you know what happened with the penalty, which is, it, it, I mean, in a way, it was sort of like there were three players that wanted to take that penalty. You know that you know Forestieri wanted to take it, but he knew the right thing to do was to give it to New You, and then you saw that that kind of dialogue between New You and Zhao, like Zhao wanted to get on the score sheet, but he also knew the right thing to do was to let you know um, Atenu yeah. get his hat trick, and it I was like the whole it. the whole thing was just it was nice. It was like it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, that's the only word I can use to describe it. It was just lovely. It was just uh, just you know nice moments that we've been sadly lacking this season. And the other thing that I wanted to mention as well, which is the goal that I've not mentioned, which is when you know Venancio scored, which was a cracking finish to be fair to him. Um, but you know the crowd reaction, you know that chorus of sign him up, which you know just a few months ago he he was one of the players that was getting a bit of stick from from fans for making mistakes. You know I think after the the Birmingham game, a lot of play a lot of fans had written him off and just said he's he's a waste of space, send him back. Um, and 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 now there's 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 a lot of you know the, uh, uh, sort of a you know, the majority of our fan base is saying this is a guy that is going to form one of the crooks of our team next season. I'm going to upset Eddie now, and I'd, I'd, I'd had him in, in the Sasso mould uh, earlier in the season. Sorry, Ed. Uh, cause... <laughs> well, so, so the greatest player who ever lived, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's the one that you... Yeah, <laughs> not, not, not the second greatest, behind Nuyo, no? Is that not how it... <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I was one of those that written him off. But fair play, he's, caught, he, he's just... He's worth signing up. He's looked astute at that back, you know, just with the ball at his feet. Fair, I can't think of any mistakes... Oh, you know, recently that he's actually made either. You know what I mean? You always expect to. We saw quite a few from Leuven's of of, of this season generally, but but from Valencia, you know, well, fair play. He's completely turned the whole kind of the crowd round to to be, you know, like to to the point where they were singing, you know, sign him up. Can it's I say something controversial well, at this point? Oh, God, James. No, no, no I, Eddie, it's going to upset you. Are you sure you want me oh, to do this? Oh no. Well, look, I know. You, Are you going to discuss it as well? You're a, you're a guest here, not only on our podcast, but in our country. Um, <laughs> so, so, no, you fine. No, we, we, we have freedom of speech. It's known as the Second Amendment over here in the UK. I don't know whether it's, uh, whether it's the same for you guys. 
Uh, we, it, it's called an amendment. We get confused about which one we're arguing about at any point in time. But obviously, with, with, with my fine American accent, all I'm going to observe is I think Freddie Venancio is a better looking chap than Vincent Sasso. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I, I, as, as, a, as a Queen slash Brooklyn living bearded hipster, I'm, I've got a, I'm, I'm quite au fait with his little uh, little beard that he's got going on there. I feel like he's a slightly more polished version of a of a Vincent Sasso, not Has only it, in looks but also in defending. Has anybody? Whoa! Oh, okay. Look, you know, looks fine, but let's let's not get into playing styles, okay? Um, no, no. I, did, has anyone seen the uh, the YouTube video of the uh, the lap of appreciation? Because we don't do laps of honor anymore unless you've won something. So the lap of appreciation at the very end, they saved the best to last because at the end you've got cheeky Venancio just giving the guns to the camera, little finger guns, loving it. And you know what? He might be. He might be my next guy. He might be the new. <laughs> It's it's all very nice. This you know you've 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 got the whole you know Sasso Venancio thing. Neither of them are anywhere. You know they're not an Ash Baker either. Let's be fair. There's there's no there's no degree of tattooing going on there that becomes even close to uh, to a bit of Ashy. Come on. If Jack Hunt is listening to this podcast, and I'm sure he is, we've not forgotten you either, Jack. Look, we you know we love you all, but yeah, I think maybe that Venancio Sasso. Um, Ash Baker um, and um, H from Steps backline. That's what we probably need to be looking at next. I year. feel like they'd move in unison, Eddie. They'd, uh, they'd, they'd just be like it, they'd be in sync in every single move that Jos had them uh, pos- position for, right? <laughs> we. I'm going to jump a little bit ahead here in um, in kind of the running order that I put together. But a lot of things that we've talked about um, so far on 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 this week's podcast have, have kind of been about. Uh, certain players that have come into their own over the last few months and the positivity of the last two or three months and formation-wise, things falling into place. So, you know, let's let's bring this down to a real simple level. Um, it's it's not long ago that there were a, a lot of our fans who were seriously questioning Yoss uh, and his, his tactics and, you know, his, his kind of basic football knowledge. Has he done enough for you? to convince you that he is the right guy to lead us forward. Do you want him to stay on next season? Is what I'm asking, basically. Eddie, what do you reckon? Um, The short answer is yes. Um, The slightly longer answer is, when when we announced him as manager, I didn't think in my heart of hearts that he was appointed for anything other than to get to the end of the season until we... um, could get access to somebody uh, that was a better choice. I don't think that that is the case now, and 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 I no longer believe that it was the case then. Um, I don't know who advised Mr. Chancery about uh, who Yoss was and what he could bring to Sheffield Wednesday FC, but I think that he has shown not only has he shown enough, but I think he has a philosophy. Um, that matches with the players that we've got. So we're not in a rebuild. I think we can actually kick on from the end of this season into next season with um, with that kind of high-pressing, um, tempo-based game that that he favours. And I think our players are naturally uh, built to, to play that game. So, uh, yes, I would. Is the jury still out on him? Yes. But I'm I'm prepared to give him a chance, and I can't build a convincing case for anybody else that we could afford 
or would want to make a change for that would that would give me more confidence going into next season. Okay, um, James, would you agree? Uh, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, I had a slightly different take on what he was brought in for, which is, I, th- I think he was, I would like to think that he was given one simple metric, which was just to make sure the team survived. I mean, you've kind of got to throw yourself back into January. You think back to, uh, uh, well, I think the last game I saw live in my series litany of, uh, of cast- catastrophic Wednesday defeats was the Burton defeat 3-0 on, on uh, New Year's Day, right? That was a team that was in free fall. We, you know, We've just spent 40 minutes talking about how good the feeling is in the squad and how um, how positive the interactions between the players and the coaching staff and the fans are. Cast your mind back to New Year's Day and just how utterly dismembered that entire experience was at Hillsborough. You know, okay, it was a wet day, but you know, the team were yelling at each other, the fans were yelling at the players. Bully hadn't got an answer. He basically said he didn't want the job. And anybody coming into that, you know, Yoss or otherwise, really had one mission, and that was to make sure this team didn't do a Sunderland and plunge into League One. So, you know, first things foremost, I think we need to give him credit for the fact that he's not only recovered that situation, but he's given us this positivity. So on that alone, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt to say he should be he should be given the responsibility of trying to recast the squad. Secondarily, he's proved he's done it before. You know, he's taken squads that have been in disarray and he's turned them into promotion challenges within 12 to 18 months. So we should be confident around that. You um, echo Eddie's point. Give me somebody else who's going to come in and do a better job. He's going to have to work on a limited budget. We're not going to have a lot to play with. We know we're going to have to make some hard decisions in the summer in terms of probably one or two exits that aren't going to be popular. We know we've got to promote from within in terms of the youth. So I think what he's done in the last couple of months in terms of showing that he can integrate those players into the squad and get something very positive in terms of the, the aggregate result out of it is, uh, is that's a job interview in and in, in of itself, right? So let's give him a chance. Okay. Uh, Richie, are you going to uh, follow suit? I, I don't... I'm... I'm... I'm going to say I'm confused, but don't don't comment that, please, Eddie. Um, I, I'm I, I'm not sure. It's you know his honest answer. I, I at first thought, yeah, he's he's he's. We've got to give him a bit longer to try and see how how things work out for him. You know, we, all right, yeah. The last few weeks, he's proper turned it on the thing and really stamped his authority on the team. Um, but I think if we come to a point where you know we we have a bad start and we're doing not doing great by christmas he'll be gone so do, and we did this with carlos we get, we gave carlos that third year that probably was that oh, well not even a third it was a second you know into his into his third year but not the full third year it was too much what we should have should let him go in that summer <sighs> i think he's he's earned the right to start next season but i think if we don't if we if we are not kind of hitting any dizzy heights, then it'll be gone by Christmas, unfortunately. But yeah, we should give him the chance. I think the worrying, the only worrying thing for me, and it should be written into his contract a deal breaker. I worry what facial hair he's going to come back with. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of half moustache, half stubble thing creation. I mean, that's not right, but in the words of Whitney Houston, it's okay. Um, If we have any escalation from that, then I think we maybe need to break all ties. Hold on. I I want a second clause on that, Eddie. Can we also talk about his propensity to dress business casual? 
Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely comfortable with his use of jeans and shirt slash, you know, he tried to go a little bit formal for the final game of the season. And then he just, he looks like he isn't really sure what clothes to wear to a party. So yeah. you know, can we, can we at least give him a track suit or something? And he can, he can just yell the shit out from the t- touchline, but I don't <laughs> like kind of this kind of quasi boardroom, quasi Carlos, quasi not sure where I'm meant to be sort of feel. I'm, I'm not sure the fake moustaches are going to go as well in the, in the club shop as the, the Reggie Brinkle, Brinkle wig did, but you know, it's, uh... <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt as long as he doesn't start turning up in like an Alan Partridge style blazer. With, uh, you know, with pocket square. Um, yeah, let's. We'll monitor the situation and look. Owls in the park is probably the uh, you know the bellwether there. Um, if uh, owls in the park on the first of July, if he's wearing socks and sandals, um, it's yeah, it's probably time. It's time to go. Maybe we could between us put together like the the Wednesday week style guide to help him. You know, we could do some some kind of video content or something between us that that helps him kind of gear him in the right sort of direction. And um, uh, you know, the the, the fashionistas that we are, um, you know, maybe we can help shape you know Yossa's future stylings. Who knows? So idea just like live idea for the first one. Maybe Rich. Maybe you can. Um, Give some hints on how best to wear shorts in terms of, you know, uh, leg skin tone matching Fuck that off. kind of thing. <laughs> I knew it was. I knew it was either going to pick on my shirts, one of my shirt, one of my stylish shirts, or, or at least yeah, my legs from the weekend that were uh, two tone. Yeah, they were hilarious. And anyone yeah, that yeah. hasn't seen this, I think I did it from my account rather than the uh, <laughs> yeah, podcast account. Yeah. But yeah, go yeah. and have a look. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, they were, I, I still don't quite understand how that happened. In, in how long was it? Was it half an hour? About an hour and a half in the sun. Uh, and an and, and yeah, I, I've got basically, to, if you imagine Two-Face from, uh, from uh, yeah, <laughs> my legs were like that. So I could stand one way, I look completely white. Stood the other way, I look red. So I actually look red and white striped legs, which really perturbed me, to be fair. Dirty red and white bastard. Thank you. <laughs> I've been called worse. Before before we move on from this question about um, Yoss, and, and I'm, I'm assuming the answer to this is probably going to be yes, but um, I've kind of asked you whether you would keep him on. Um, slightly different question. Do you think that Chancery will keep him on? Do you think that he will be our manager at the start of the, the next season? Just a simple, basic show of hands really Eddie yes I've seen no reason why not James two weeks ago I didn't think that was going to be the case but I think it will be now and Rich yes yeah okay yeah I'm, I'm going with it as well yeah um, I think that yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I've really got anything to add to what's already been said. I think there's some really, really good points that have been, yep. that have been made about it. I think that we, you know, very naturally talking just about the Norwich game and, and, and the stuff that we've talked about so far just all adds to the reason why we're kind of in a in a nice place right now. It might not be the, the, the best place we've been in over, the, you know, the, the, the kind of the Chancery era, um, but it's certainly the best place we've been in for probably 12 months. Um, certainly since the end of last year's playoffs, so we've we've got to kind of make the best of that. Um, next thing on my list that I want to talk about, and we've touched on him in a little bit, Adam Reach. Um, now, you know, no great surprise. We talked about the player of the season votes. We talked about the fact that we all pretty much agreed. I think unilaterally we agreed it was going to be Adam Reach. 
Um, there's been various kind of... I mean, it's been almost embarrassing, actually, the number of... I, I suspect he's probably got an injury due to the number of trophies he had to carry round um, before and after the game on Sunday because he won, I think, pretty much every supporters group. Um, you know, the London Owls, the... Uh, was it the Midland Owls? Uh, the, uh, the Dubai Owls... Um, the unborn owls, I think, gave it to him as well. Um, you know, just every owls group that you could imagine um, gave their player of the did, season did, award to Adam Reach. Did we have an award for anybody? Well, no, we haven't. Yeah, Vincent Sasso. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am presenting it to him. Um, he doesn't know this yet. I'm going <laughs> to. Follow him around the entire summer, just kind of sit outside his house, watch him come and go, um, and then give him my award. I say award, it's uh, uh, yeah. not metal. Yeah, okay, let's leave it there. Oh, <laughs> at least during you know the the kind of the first season of you know, the current era of the Wednesday week, we at least just sent bread to people rather than, you know, Eddie with his penis. That's that's not a good prize for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we, look, we're all operating under constraints of financial fair play. We don't have um, the the size of budget that we may be used to. <laughs> in old days. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, while we're on the subject of Reach, um, uh, you know we, we've seen in the last couple of games he's played the the, the wing back role that I think you know there's been points this season where we've all we've all thought when we move to the the three at the back slash five at the back depending on how you look upon it that that system that you know it's the role that we all thought that he should be playing when we were playing a, a flat back four that it was going to be more suited to playing that role where he was a lot more free to kind of come forward. Um, the, the, when he was playing as a as a fullback, we've seen him playing central midfield. We've seen him actually playing almost as a kind of a, a false nine at, at, at times. Um, what position is Adam Reach going to be best suited to moving forward? And um, this very general question, but what kind of future do you see him having with Sheffield Wednesday? Because he now he's now surely our biggest asset. James, we talked about this a little bit earlier on during our kind of our pre-podcast drinks. Uh, the answer is left wing back and yeah he has to be an integral part of our future um, the problem is I mean he's, he's had such a stellar season right just I, I keep on casting my mind back to like I was talking about the Burton game earlier on but just remember the abuse that Adam Reach was getting when he came into the side yeah. last year and you know the amount of proving he had to do to the Wednesday fan base and I, I, it's probably on this podcast actually I remember someone talking about the technical ability that he clearly had it just wasn't backed up with confidence this season we've seen it backed up with confidence and he's he's been absolutely phenomenal when he's been given that free-ranging role and you know at times he's been asked to play it through the middle he's been you know he's played it we saw him play it right right wing back against Wolves last uh, two weeks ago um, but he's a left-sided player he should be given the the range of the left side with the protection of a good back three behind him um, I'm not averse to the idea that if we end up in a 4-3-1 that he ends up on the left-hand side of that three but um, I need a lot of convincing that we can play a flat back four and do it successfully. But he, he's got to be given that kind of that wing back responsibility to to attack defences. And you saw the result of that when he put that ball in for Newhu on Sunday. He's um, he's got an amazing crossing ability. He, he scares defences witness. You compare, you contrast and and add that to Forestieri in that kind of free radical role on the left as well. And I think we've got a really really opposed 
potent attacking threat. So Wednesday should be doing everything they can to keep him in the squad and in the mix next season. And, and barring a move from a premiership club, um, you know, we've got to make sure that he's still at Hillsborough. Tom's football coach um, up at Middlesbrough in Wendy fans of a certain vintage, <clears throat> me and Rich, um, yep. will remember, uh, remember playing well. for, yeah, for, uh, for, you know, those those Wilco teams in the 80s. And, and he, he's been involved in the, the youth system up there um, in Middlesbrough in the northeast for, you know, pretty much since he retired in the early 90s. Um, and he says that not only is Adam Reach one of the, the you know, the most talented players that he's ever worked with, um, but he said that, all the way through from from very uh, you know young junior football right through to uh, making his debut in the full Middlesbrough team, um, a, a coaching staff has not been able to say what his best position is because he is so versatile. And it's actually credit to him that um, that he hasn't been pigeonholed into being this utility player role. Uh, but legitimately. Um, I think a lot of the, the the staff that are still at the coaching staff up at Middlesbrough would be completely comfortable with the idea of Adam Reach playing as a striker, playing in the central midfield, playing on the wing, uh, you know, playing at the back. I think we've seen the best of him, um, kind of in in the middle of those three, you know, four those four roles, you know, on to towards the flanks, but with the ability to influence the game as opposed to being an out and out winger. Um, and, and this season has just been, it's been stellar. For a, a, a player to excel like that in a struggling side, I think speaks volumes in a way that maybe, you know, Forestieri or Barry Bannon or, you know, at times Ross Wallace um, played in a very, very good side. I think it actually speaks to a, a, a different set of capabilities. I think to go back to, to James's point, it, it was um, only last season that people were just saying, what a waste of five million quid. You know, why, why had we spent so much money on on this guy? You know, and that was even before he played, probably. You know, in Wednesday fans, but but it was definitely it was it was it was a real kind of groundswell of people thinking like that. But this season, I think he's he has been Mister Consistent. He has performed well. He's been absolutely fantastic for us. Uh, I can't really uh, knock him whatsoever. And I think uh, probably uh, probably left wing back is his is his position, and we we need to keep him there because. Um, God, we had some awful fallbacks this year in various in various times. The biggest compliment that I can give Adam Reach is that uh, there's been various points through this season that I've referenced the guys that sit behind me on the north stand, who even when you know when it, when he was in like the the, you know, the twilight of his his season, were still slagging him off. Um, on Sunday, they said I, I heard at least one of them go, "It's all right, any Reach," uh, and that you know for me is is the biggest compliment that I could possibly give to him that the uh, the guys behind me on the north now think that he's all right. I, I, I'm kind of hoping that I did forewarn everyone that I was going to ask them this question, but I, in my head I'm thinking maybe it was only James that I forewarned that I was going to ask him this question. Because I want, I want to ask you all for your highlight of this season, and now seems like a good kind of time oh, to, um, to do it. Um, considering the fact that I did therefore give him more warning than anyone else, I, I'm going to ask James first. Um, yeah, I actually had time to think about this, James. So uh, I, easily the kind of the, the watching highlight of the season was one obviously that didn't take place in a ground where I was watching Wednesday, bearing in mind that I watched 10 and uh, I think we, we lost pretty much nine, um, which was uh, not 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 particularly auspicious. Um, now the, uh, the Aston Villa game runs pretty high. So uh, Villa away, we uh, we watched that in the football factory in New York and uh, there were about, I don't know, seven or eight of us Wednesday nights and about 20 Villa fans who were expecting to uh, trample all over us. And when Reach cracked that in after a minute and then we uh, we continued to dominate them, um, 
just the look on the Villa fans' face was only a shade down from the look on that Brummy uh, Birmingham uh, City fans' face when uh, Gary Hooper <laughs> scored <laughs> two all those years ago. So that w- that was pretty special. But I've got to get all sentimental on you. And I know it's not really in the spirit of everything we've been talking about, but I've taken my lad to two games this season and. Um, Actually, both of them were up there as highlights. So the first time I walked him into Hillsborough and uh, and sat him down and kind of you know he took that in, that was pretty special. But just this Sunday, he was um, you know he, he was joining in with Hi Ho Sheffield Wednesday, and you can't get much better than that. You got a little lad on your shoulder, kind of singing Hi Ho Sheffield Wednesday, clapping along. You that's, can't uh, teach you can't teach that. They're, they're born with that. Uh, this this one was born in America, Rich. So I had to work on him, but he's uh, <laughs> he, he's got the vernacular and he seems to have translated it. So uh, I'm my going kids with that. had a blade have a, a blade for a mother. Um, so I had to work a little, fairly hard too. <laughs> Uh, right, I'm going to give you two a little bit longer to think of um, of yours because I'm going to go with mine next. And mine is um, is actually something completely. This is, this is kind of my curveball sort of highlight of the season. And at the time, I thought it was a terrible, terrible thing. But in hindsight, I think this is something that has hugely influenced where our club is going now. Um, so I'm going to say that my highlight of the season is nothing to do with anything that happened on the pitch. It's the uh, appointment of a chief executive. And uh, obviously, therefore, the appointment of uh, Katria Mier as chief executive. Because up until that point, we, we had a club that was in complete disarray. We had, um, you know, kind of fans quarrelling with each other across the board. We had, um, you know, just just abs- uh, disarray is the only word I can use for it. Um, you know, we had um, the the season ticket refund fiasco, which. Everything about that was just wrong. It was it was it, it was negative. It was it was horrible. Um, and and actually, you know, uh, James mentioned earlier about the three 0 defeat at home to Burton, which is uh, it would be an absolute low point of of the season. And actually, at the time, that was the day that that Katrin Mayer was appointed chief executive, and it contributed to the low point because. She was, I think, probably the most hated person in football because of what had happened at, at, at Charlton. Um, and I just thought, what are we doing bringing in someone like that as our, as our chief exec? But in actual fact, from that moment onwards, we have been on a, an, an upward trajectory. And, and there have been points where it's on the pitch dropped down a little bit. But in terms of as a club, like, you know, the fact that uh, we've, not, we've not really talked about it yet, but already, you know, the announcement that Owls in the Park is on the 1st of July... Um, you know, in previous years, that would be a little bit later al- along the process. The fact that already we've kind of revealed that we're going back to stripes next season, that you know, other things that um, in the past, the retained list, you know, things like that, that, that have been that bit later, it feels like our, our club is just being that... Um, that little bit kind of smoother in terms of its running. And I think having a chief exec has made all the difference and going into next season, that will really start to kind of come into its own. So that is my highlight of the season. Um, right, who wants to go next? Rich, Eddie, take your pick. Go yeah, on, let's go. Go on, I'll, um, go on. I, I, it, The weird thing is because it proved to be a false dawn, but... Um, for a first half of the season that was sorely lacking in um, in in everything from good luck to endeavour to team spirit um, to competence um, to you know even that 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 trust that we'd had in Carlos to uh, to pull rabbits out of hats um, and it and it did happen for two years um, when on Christmas Eve 
we you know we we made Carlos Derek duly mark two and uh, handed him his cards. Uh, it felt like we were we were quite lost, and uh, the the probably the only bright spot in that was the idea that a guy who is synonymous with um, Sheffield Wednesday in the last twenty years, Lee Bullen, got the chance to to you know to just have that moment and take over the team um, and, and get those players playing for something other than. Uh, you know what was going on around them, and so that Forest away game was probably the highlight of the season for me because just for a brief ninety minutes, it felt like we'd recaptured a little bit of that magic that made supporting Wednesday such uh, a, a, a drug for um, you know for the last two years. And like I said, it did turn out to be a false dawn at least initially, but that for me was. It, it was worth a lot of the trials and tribulations of this last season because that was a, 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 a perfect encapsulation of what it is to have a great away day um, following Sheffield Wednesday. And so, yeah, I, I'm sure it's it, it doesn't even move the needle in terms of what is important to a football club. But for a fan who was losing his mojo a little bit and losing his, you know, his passion for this club and, and what this team could achieve for the club that we all love. It kind of gave me that shot in the arm that got me through to the end of the season. And I think I'm thankful because the last 10 games has been incredible. It's been back up to what I expect and what I hope I experienced watching Sheffield Wednesday. Can I be greedy and pick three games? Uh, not, not all highlights. Um, I think, the, the low light for me was Birmingham. Uh, I don't leave football early. Um, it's something I've never done. Um, I, I, I think the, the, the only other time before this season I'd left early um, was when Wednesday lost 5 nil to Everton in the FA Cup marathon of 1980-whatever it was, 1986 maybe. Might be wrong with that. Um, but that, I remember that, that was, that was, I, that was, that was your 30th birthday then. as well, wasn't it? That must have been really gutting for you, that one. How fucking rude. Oh. Um, <laughs> Shots fired. Hey, I've got more hair than you have. Uh, anyway, um, so, I, yeah, Birmingham was my real low light. I left on 35 minutes that day because it was absolutely abject. I'd had enough that day. I'd had enough probably before that. Uh, I just didn't want to go to Hillsborough at that point. Um so that was my proper low light. Uh, I, and I guess two highlights for me. Um, I, I don't do many away games just, just because I, I don't have as much uh, uh, disposable income as you do, James, uh, a man of your uh, calibre. Um, I, I just don't do them. But um, <laughs> I, the the one that I really wanted to do this year, and I did, was, was Swansea away. Um, for for a reason I explained at the time, was, it was basically my, my dad even though the Wednesday fan was born and bred in Swansea. Um, and I'd never been to watch Wednesday play at Swansea, never had the chance. So that was a re- just to get down there, and just before all the, the kind of beasts from the East hit, literally to get down there and back in a day uh, and have a bit of, you know, a, a nice time down there. And the, and the football was what, the, again, uh, spoiled the day. But um, <laughs> the, 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 the real, I suppose, positive kind of highlight for me was the Preston game, when it finally just... It turned when we'd been looking so shocking. Fessy came back. Atty got a couple that day. Zhao scored, and then Fessy in the, in the last minute with that free kick. 
that was just kind of a real kind of right. This has turned. It's kind of you know, even though Morgan Fox did play that day, um, we, we 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 didn't we didn't we played really well that day. I thought. Hey, uh, Rich, newsflash, you'll get another chance to go to uh, Swansea next season. Yes, I didn't expect that one, but yeah, well, I suppose I did a bit. I did press but yeah, I will definitely go again uh, and hopefully see a better game this time. All right, a few uh, quick things to get through before we move on. I mentioned kind of earlier on the fact that it's been announced that Owls in the Park uh, is returning to its normal slot, which is on the 1st of July, uh, which pretty much guarantees the 1st of July. It will probably rain and throw it down for the uh, for the whole of uh, of that day. And, uh, and no pressure to get a kit ready for that, that, uh, that day. There was a bit of a rumour, wasn't it, that they, they might wear the new home kit for the uh, for the Norwich game, but obviously that didn't materialise. But um, you know, certainly by I guess in the past, maybe they realise maybe the reason they've not announced the date of Owls in the Park until a bit later is because they've not known the date of the kit. So it would suggest that they're well on with the kit in order to be able to confirm the date for uh, for Owls in the Park uh, and a quick youth watch, uh, which is that uh, Joe West has signed his first professional contract it's a one-year deal he's a left-sided defender um seems to be very very highly thought of among the academy ranks and um yeah we touched on this earlier didn't we about you know how important kind of academy players younger players are going to be for us next season great that um you know there's another one that we've got um signed up to a um a professional contract uh, that is everything that i have to talk about whoa we can't move on from that last item without uh, without demonstrating that the most important thing about Joe West signing is that it now gives us a chance to tune up the band and get ready for when he makes his debut, we can what? all start singing. There we go. There we go. I, whatever Catrian Mira is doing at this club... I, I would strongly suggest that the way to lasting and sustainable success of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club is to sign players based on singability of their name. And you know what? If this is, uh, if this is the, the, the first harbinger for that, I am more than happy because it doesn't get much better than Joe West. Yeah, that works as well as any name in any song ever, doesn't it? Is that better than Booth? Yeah, we went on a long mental journey as a fan base to come up with that. <laughs> Sorry, I I am texting yeah, Lord Hillsborough as we speak to um, to get him on the case <laughs> for making that song. The video will be on YouTube by midnight. <laughs> uh, right, any bits? Uh, in fact, for bits, I'm going to go to. Um, Rich, to you first, because I think this is this is a bit that we all probably want to contribute to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was a little. We we, we had a, a kind of. I, I often go in the Riverside Cafe after the the game uh, and spend spend half an hour there while the traffic calms down. But we had a good couple of three hours in there after the game on on Sunday, uh, and um, a guy that I, I've not known very long, probably three four years now. Um, always goes in there before the game and after the game and this, this weekend was the last time we'll see him regularly uh, in the Riverside Cafe and that's Cleggy um, Cleggy what a ledge I, I had a bit of a moment at Wembley um, we, we kind of um, it was one of those days where you bumped into every buggy you knew and he was one of them I bumped into 
uh, and we both ended up, this was before the game, just getting a little bit a bit emotional and ended up both in tears just at the thought of like, can we really do this? And we had this little moment that nobody will ever take away from me. The, 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 that that man, I love that man to bits. I would have his children all day long, Cleggy. He's a legend. You know what? It was a fitting send-off for, not no, not a send-off for Cleggy, but a send-off for Hillsborough for him to be doing the flag um, at the front of the cop wearing what I can only describe as the worst <laughs> pair of shorts They're in abysmal. the history of shorts. <laughs> on, on, only bettered by James's friend John's pair of shorts that he had on. If you didn't see I those, I will put them I out on... Uh, I have a picture, so I'll put them out on the uh, the Wednesday week uh, Twitter this evening. I would wow. describe well, it as like a... Cause... It was like a bad short-off, but that kind of sounds like some sort of different <laughs> sort of thing. I, I I just worry. Look, I've, I've recently got back from Dubai and I was very, very um, uh, keen to ensure that I, uh, you know, met the cultural norms over there. So I was wearing a lot of Chino-based slacks. Um, if Cleggy is going to absolutely dominate those bad boys, it may cause a new Arab Spring. So um, I wish him all the best. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm, 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 Rich. I'm the same as you in terms of the fact that you know, Cleggy is someone that I've, I've, I've not only gotten used to him. I'm, I'm just like he's just there every, every game, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. before and after. And um, it is, you know, it's, it's a bit like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a, it's a bit like one of the um, sides of Hills are being taken down. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's like such a staple of match day is, is, is not going to be there anymore. And, um, it's going to be weird. And yeah. certainly a guy that is going to be, you know, going to be missed. And, um, you know, match day will, will, will never quite be, um, never quite be the same on the plus side, of course, you know, holiday to Dubai, somewhere to stay, you know, it's not a bad thing, is it? Absolutely. It's all right. I, listen, I've already co- 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 covered that, uh, that angle that was mentioned on Sunday. <laughs> you, you guys have got to look to the positive. The Dubai Owls are going to take off from here, right? There's yeah, going to yeah. be uh, there's going to be an explosion of overseas fan groups. So, uh, <laughs> what can you say? I, I'll, I've only met Clay a couple of times, but what I will say is that for those of us who don't spend enough time in Sheffield and certainly not enough time at Hillsborough, seeing familiar faces when you come into the ground and when you come into the Riverside is um, is a really really important thing. And he's one of been one of the most welcoming people and one of the most helpful people for for aspiring fan groups to start up with so um, I hope he continues to uh, to stay in that vein as he moves into his new uh, new pad Okay, any other bits Eddie? Uh, oh yeah, just uh, a, a short one, I, you know, we're all Wednesday fans, okay, and um, you know, some of us uh, have been supporting Wednesday all our lives, some of us have come to Wednesday, I, I've been speaking to a, a guy recently who only is a Wednesday fan because um, he picked us in FIFA 1999, um, which possibly is the worst time to pick becoming a Sheffield Wednesday fan because literally we got relegated at the end of that season. Um, so, yeah, the, but, you know, to a greater or less extent, we all love Sheffield Wednesday. Um, there is a crowdfunding appeal that the club have, uh, have given extra publicity to this week um, for somebody who is probably up there in terms of the greatest ever Sheffield Wednesday fans. If we did uh, a a mural like we've done for our greatest ever players over 150 years, uh, Tom Wharton might be the greatest fan that we've got. He would certainly be in um, that, you know, that, that uh, mural, uh, you know, probably uh, sitting in the Wednesday tap um, along with, you know, Cleggie in his shorts. Um, 
So Tom is a guy who only missed one home game between 1880 and 1926, which for the hard of thinking is nearly 50 years. Um, as well as going to nearly every away game, every cup tie. Look, this is not, this is before football specials. This is before, uh, you you know, anyone traveling all over the country, et cetera. Uh, You know, he was probably horse and carting to some of these games as well. So, um, yeah, so the club, uh, I think the the family and friends um, of of Tom Wharton or, you know, descendants thereof are crowdsourcing uh, for £1,500 to uh, to put up a memorial to him with an information board with all the details of of everything he did um and contra- contrasting that comparing it with uh, Tom Marsden who I think you know many Wednesday fans will have heard of because um he was part of the Wednesday cricket club one of the founder you know former former founders of that yeah. so um you know so this is this is part of our history we've talked about 150 years well you know this is probably you know the his generation's tango so um, I think it's only right that they get that, you know, that memorial and that he is immortalised as, you know, as our forefathers, the ones who came before us um, and enabled us to get to a point where we are effectively talking shit um, on a podcast <laughs> for a, a rapidly diminishing number of listeners on a weekly basis. Um, so, yes, if you would like to donate and uh, I think I'm right. I think you guys will all agree. We are going to do the same thing here at Wednesday week. We're going to throw some money towards yes. the £1,500 target. So they've got a Just Giving page. So if you head over to justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Tom Wharton. So that's Tom, T-O-M, Wharton, W-H-A-R-T-O-N, justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Tom Wharton. Um, yeah, look, we've done this in the past as Wednesday fans. We've we've achieved incredible things with uh, with charity um, and and these you know kind of crowd for crowdsourcing, crowdfunding. Uh, let's do that. You know, put put a fiver in because he's you know one of the four we all do and what makes it special for us to get up on a Saturday morning knowing that we've got uh, drinks to be had, uh, a team to cheer on, and praise a grumble to listen to later. I tell you what, Eddie. I mean, completely uh, back up everything you're saying. I'm going to completely put all my Al's Americas buddies on the spot and say we'll match whatever you guys at the Wednesday week are putting in. We'll uh, we'll match that as a sponsorship for the uh, for the Al's Americas as well. But I take issue with your uh, your comment about um, fans that found Wednesday through FIFA 1999 because that's half our American fan base. So um, let's not knock the uh, the squad that took us down to the uh, the championship, <laughs> and particularly let's celebrate. One particular Swede who was back at Hillsborough on Sunday in the form of uh, absolutely the, etern- yeah. the eternally yeah. youthful Nicholas Alexanderson, who I swear has not aged a day, despite having a uh, a son who uh, apparently is playing for the Sweden under 17s this year. So yeah, uh, like it, that, like that was a lovely kind of throwback, wasn't it? Looked like he could probably do a job as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tell you what, looking buff. You know. It's, yeah. Like you say, James. Picture of Dorian Gray happening there. The guy has not aged or changed in any way. So yes, it was great to see him back. The the the, uh, the you know the best thing was that he was uh, my wife Laura's original crush, and probably a large part of the reason that she uh, dumped those those idiots called Middlesbrough um, and and threw a lot in with Sheffield Wednesday. So uh, it was great to see him back at Hillsborough, wasn't it? Uh, it was beautiful, um, and I. Uh... It, it was great as well because even in broken Swedish, he celebrated his favourite game as being the uh, was it the three one win against Man United in yeah. about nineteen ninety eight, um, yeah. which yeah that's that's up there as one of my uh, my all time good days at Hillsborough. So uh, so I gave him a lot of kudos for that. 
Well, I reckon that is, well, about it for our our podcast this week and probably about it for this season. Um, I know that, that, that James, you and I have got a couple of ideas for kind of special podcasts that we're going to do. Anyone that's listened to the uh, FFP uh, podcast that we've done, we've got a couple of things lined up um, over, over the summer and, 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 and certainly over the next couple of months that we're going to do. Um, but, you know, we'll cross those bridges as and when they, they, they come. In the meantime, if anyone wants to find out more about, firstly, the Owls Americast and secondly, you know, the, the lovely human being that is yourself, how do they go about doing this? Uh, they can find out about the Owls Americast at uh, Owls Americas on Twitter. Um, they can find out about the uh, the Wednesday persona that I am at Manhattan Owl. Um, if they want to find out about the lovely human being that I'm allegedly, uh, they're going to have difficulty finding any evidence of that whatsoever on social media. But I'll uh, I'll do my best to try and exemplify myself through the accounts that I have. Uh, Rich. Yeah, you can find me at Dickie Owl on Twitter. I, I, I'm I'm particularly looking forward to a bit of a, a football break now. Um, having uh, kids playing football at a weekend, Hallam FC, Sheffield Wednesday FC. I'm just looking forward to a bit of a break. But by God, we'll be gagging for the World Cup in a month's time. All I've got, all I've got bored on a weekend uh, in that shorter space of time. And Eduardo. Also, as always, I am uh, on Twitter at Sausage Arms. Also, other social networks are available. Um, I'm going to immediately after this, I'm going to post uh, a link to um, another another little bit that I've, I've, I'm going to hijack now. Um, so a, a good friend of mine, uh, Damien, has commemorated 25 years since the Steel City semi-final with a lovely piece of artwork depicting uh, Mark Bright celebrating uh, his winner, against uh, another team um it's uh, it's uh, there's, there's a limited run of 50 he's texted me in the last five minutes and said um he's, he's managed to get another 50 um ready for printing and framing and the beautiful thing about this is that mark bright himself um has agreed to sign um and put a little message on for all hundred of those prints so um, i'm going to put the link on my twitter so uh, have a look at sausage arms go and get involved um and you will have a chance to own a little bit of wednesday history uh, it's a beautiful thing as well it looks very very nice and kind of of its time early 90s if you remember those uh, uh, um t-shirts you used to get in the early 90s that were just an awful lot of kind of wednesday logos and graffiti style stuff thrown at a t-shirt um if you like that you'll like this so yeah at sausage arms after this podcast, when you see it, have a look. Uh, and yeah, all proceeds go into Sheffield Children's Hospital and it will be signed by Mark Bright. Uh, you can get me at James Marriott. Um, I do still have one game to go in this football season uh, because I'm off to Hamburg at the weekend for uh, the last game of St. Pauli season, which is my first away game. Um, anyone that is a regular follower of me on Twitter will know that I have got quite into German football this season uh, and I've been to a few games, but it's my first St. Pauli away game. It's also Eurovision, which I'm watching in the fan park in Hamburg, uh, which is where they do, you know, the bit at the end where they're doing the scoring, they go around all the different countries. When they go to Germany, uh, they do it from that fan park in St. Pauli. So I'm going to hold up something Sheffield Wednesday related um, in the background in the fan park in St. Pauli. So, Why am I shaking my head now, James? Uh, bloody Eurovision. 
what do you think I shouldn't hold something <laughs> up that Sheffield Wednesday related? I mean, you could just tell no, me if you I, think that's the no, 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 no. That's no, the you, case. You, you, you go for it. <laughs> um, so, um, if you are watching Eurovision on Saturday, keep an eye out for something Sheffield Wednesday related in in the background somewhere where they do the um, the German jury scores. Um, you can catch up with the podcast at TWWcast. All the other details to get hold of us are on the website. Uh, it's the wednesdayweek.co.uk and uh, well that's going to pretty much bring us to an end for what has been overall a fairly horrendous season um, I I hope that with with this week's podcast that we've been able to kind of portray that there is a lot of positivity at the moment and um, you know looking forward to next season and I for one very much look forward to um, to speaking to you again at the start of the new season have a great summer the 90th minute you've got all your mates round you've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go your mates already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points back of the net Lubosh automatic delivery now on the McDonald's app you in? at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com for more information see you later this podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network TalkSport Powered by fans.